On today's night's podcast, CCS drama students share a taste of their most recent play, Our Town by Thornton Wilder, and unpack the profound message of the simplistic beauty of this production. This is certainly an important part of Grover's Corners. It's on a hilltop, a windy hilltop, lots of sky, lots of clouds, often lots of sun and moon and stars. And there, quite a ways down, is Grover's Corners. Yes, beautiful spot up here. Mountain laurel and lilacs. I often wonder why people would like to be buried in Woodlawn and Brooklyn when they might pass the same amount of time up here in New Hampshire. This here is the new part of the cemetery. Here's your friend, Mrs. Gibbs. And let me see you here. Here's Mr. Stimson, organist at the Congregational Church. And Mrs. Soames, who enjoyed the wedding, so, well, you remember. Oh, and lots of others. And Editor Webb's boy, Wallace, whose appendix burst while he was on a Boy Scout trip to Crawford Notch. Yes, an awful lot of sorrow has quieted down up here. People just wild with grief have brought their relatives up here to this hill. And, well, we all know how it is, and time, and sunny days, and rainy days, and snow. We're all glad they're in a beautiful place like this, and we're coming up here ourselves when our fit's over. Now, there are some things we all know, but we don't take them out and look at them very often. We all know that something is eternal, and it ain't houses, and it ain't names, and it ain't earth, and it ain't even stars. Everybody knows in their bones that something is eternal. And that's something has to do with human beings. All the greatest people ever lived have been telling us that for the past 5,000 years, and yet you'd be surprised how often we lose hold of it. There's something down deep that's eternal about every human being. You know as well as I do that the dead don't stay interested in the living very long. Gradually, gradually, they lose hold of the earth and the ambitions they had and the pleasures they had and the things they suffered and the people they loved. They get weaned away from earth. That's how I put it. Weaned away. And they stay here while the earth part of them burns away, burns out. All that time, they slowly get indifferent to what's going on in Grover's Corners. They're waiting. They're waiting for something they feel is coming. Something important and great. Aren't they waiting for that eternal part of them to come out clear? Hello. Hello, Mother Gibbs. Emily. Hello. It's raining. Yes. We'll be gone soon, dear. Just rest yourself. It seems thousands and thousands of years since I... Papa remembered that that was my favorite hymn. Oh, I wish I'd been here a long time. I don't like being new here. How do you do, Mr. Stimson? How do you do, Emily? Mother Gibbs, George and I have made that farm into just the best place you ever saw. We thought of you all the time. We wanted to show you the new barn and a great long cement drinking fountain for the stock. We bought that out of the money you left us. I did? Don't you remember, Mother Gibbs, the legacy you left us? Why, it was over $350. Yes. Yes, Emily. Well, there's a patent device on the drinking fountain so that it never overflows, Mother Gibbs, and it never sinks below a certain mark that they have there. It's, it's fine. It won't be the same to George without me, but it's a lovely farm. Live people don't understand, do they? No, dear. Not very much. They're sort of shut up in little boxes, aren't they? I feel as though I knew them last a thousand years ago. Mother Gibbs, when does this feeling go away? Of being one of them? How long does it- Shh, dear. Just wait and be patient. I know. Look, they're finished. They're going. Shh. Oh, look, Father Gibbs is bringing some of my flowers to you. He looks just like George, doesn't he? Oh, Mother Gibbs, I 
I never realized before how troubled and how, how in the dark live persons are. Look at him. I loved him so. From morning till night, that's all they are. Troubled. But, Mother Gibbs, one can go back. One can go back there again, into living. I, I feel it. I know it. Why, just then, for a moment, I was thinking about, about the farm, and for a minute, I was there, and my baby was on my lap as plain as day. Yes, of course you can. I, I can go back there and live all those days over again? Why not? All I can say, Emily, is don't. But it's true, isn't it? I can go and live back there again. Yes, some have tried, but they soon come back here. Don't do it, Emily. It's not what you think it'd be. You not only live it, but you watch yourself living it. Yes. And as you watch it, you see the thing that they down there never know. You see the future. You know what's going to happen afterwards. But is that painful? Why? That's not the only reason why you shouldn't do it, Emily. When you've been here longer, you'll see that our life here is to forget all that and think only of what's ahead and be ready for what's ahead. When you've been here longer, you'll understand. But, Mother Gibbs, how can I ever forget that life? It's, it's all I know. It's all I had. Oh, Emily, it isn't wise. Really, it isn't. But it's a thing I must know for myself. I'll, I'll choose a happy day anyways. No, at least choose an unimportant day. Choose the least important day of your life. It will be important enough. Then it can't be since I was married or since the baby was born. I can choose a birthday, at least, can't I? I choose my twelfth birthday. All right. February 11th, 1899. A Tuesday. Do you want any special time of day? No, oh, I, I want the whole day. We'll begin at dawn. You remember it had been snowing for several days, but it had stopped the night before and they began to clear the roads. The sun's coming up. There's Main Street, and there's Mr. Morgan's drugstore before he changed it, and in the livery stable? Yes, it's 1899. This is 14 years ago. Oh, that's the town I knew as a little girl. And look, there's the old white fence that used to be around our house. I'd forgotten that. Oh, I love it so. Are they inside? Yes. Your mother will be coming downstairs to, in a minute to make breakfast. Will she? Mama. Mama, I'm here. Oh, how young Mama looks. I, I didn't know Mama was ever that young. I can't bear it. They're so young and beautiful. Why did they ever have to get old? Mama, I'm here. I'm grown up. I, I love you all. Everything. I, I can't look at everything hard enough. Good morning. Mama. Oh, Mama, just look at me one minute as though you really saw me. Mama, 14 years have gone by. I'm dead. You're a grandmother, Mama. I married George Gibbs. Wally's dead, too. His appendix burst on a camping trip to North Conway. We felt just terrible about it. Don't you remember? But just for a moment now, we're all together. Mama, just for a moment, we're happy. Let's look at one another. I can't. I can't go on. It goes so fast, we don't have time to look at one another. I didn't realize. So all that was going on, and we never noticed. Take me back up the hill to my grave, but first, wait. One more look. Goodbye. Goodbye, world. Goodbye, Grover's Corners. Mama and Papa. Goodbye to clocks ticking and Mama's sunflowers and food and coffee and new iron dresses and hot baths and sleeping and... 
waking up. Oh, Earth, you're too wonderful for anybody to realize you. Do any human beings ever realize life while they live it? Every, every minute? No. The saints and poets, maybe. They do some. I'm ready to go back. Were you happy? N no. I should have listened to you. That's all human beings are, just blind people. Look, it's clearing up. The stars are coming out. Well, Mr. Stimson, I should have listened to them. Yes, now you know. Now you know. That's what it was to be alive, to move about in a cloud of ignorance. You go up and down, trembling on the feelings of those... of those about you. To spend and waste time as though you had a million years, always be at the mercy of one self-centered passion or another. Now you know. That's the happy existence you wanted to go back to. Ignorance and blindness. Simon Stimson, that ain't the whole truth and you know it. Here's one of them coming. Ain't no time for one of them to be here. Mother Gibbs, it's George. Shh, dear. Just rest yourself. It's George. He ought to be home. Mother Gibbs? Yes, Emily? They don't understand, do they? No, dear. They don't understand. Most everybody's asleep in Grover's Corners. There are a few lights on. Shorty Hawkins, down at the depot, has just watched the Albany train go by. And at the livery stable, somebody's sitting up late and talking. Yes, it's clearing up. They're the stars during their old, old crisscross journeys in the sky. Only, this one is straining away. Straining away all the time to make something of itself. The strain's so bad that every 16 hours, everybody lies down and gets a rest. Hmm. 11 o'clock in Grover's Corners. You get a good rest, too. Thank you for joining us for our night's podcast. I'm joined today by Miss Carlene Keerley, who is our direct school director for our plays for high school students. And I'm also joined by several of our high school students here. I'm going to let them go around and introduce themselves. Um, I'm Olivia Winston. I'm a junior here at Cary Christian, and I played Mrs. Gibbs. I'm Julianne Self. I'm a senior at Cary Christian, and I played Mrs. Webb. I'm Maddie Nash. I'm also a senior, and I played Emily. I'm Ryan Whalen. I'm also a senior, and I played the stage manager. And I am Brooks Kent, and I played Simon Stimson, and I'm a freshman. <laughs> Ms. Kearley, um, this is an interesting play to be done. This was this, we did this play when I was in high school. I think this is a common play for high schools to do. Why our town? It's such a classic. Um, we decided to produce this last fall because it was celebrating its 80th anniversary and also because the minimalistic style of this particular play was in sharp contrast to last spring's production of The Importance of Being Earnest, which is a lavish British farce. So these two plays... Um, were very, very different um, in their style and um, in their artistry, but they're both timeless in theme. So the two perfectly complemented one another for our 2018 season. This um, gave our drama students and our audience members two vastly different theatrical experiences. And this was um, Wilder's Pulitzer Prize winning masterpiece, and it came onto the scene in 1938. And it has remained a cornerstone of theater around the world ever since. It's been translated into over 30 languages. 
And according to the Thornton Wilder Society, it is being performed somewhere in the world at least once every day. Our CCS department uh, was thrilled and honored to join in this decades-long theatrical tradition. And so one of the reasons Wilder wrote Our Town in the first place was that he felt there were some things that were lacking in the quality of American theater in the 30s. He said he felt that something had gone wrong, and he began to feel that theater was not only inadequate, but it was evasive and did not draw upon its deeper potentialities. So he was really the first American playwright to truly challenge this potential of theater, and it paved the way for many who came after. He was really a modernist and a revolutionary in the theater world at the time, and I often reminded the students that Our Town was and still is an extraordinary piece of modern art. It really is timeless and placeless in its themes. And the things that happen in Our Town are, they're seemingly simplistic, but they're really no less than life itself. So through this piece, we see the beauty and significance of everyday things such as freshly delivered milk, hot coffee, small town newspapers, humble church choirs, and country doctors who make house calls. So really, no wonder Our Town has been a fixture of the theater world for over 80 years and why it's still as relevant today as it was in 1938. One of the universal themes that our character of stage manager so eloquently states in the first act is simply this. This is the way we were in our growing up and in our marrying and in our living and in our dying. Well, I do love that line. And it is a, and there's several kind of brilliant lines in this play, but yet, okay, first of all, as high school students, do you feel like you're kind of cheated? I mean, there, there's no big props, no big scenes, no moving, no dancing. It's just a simple play. Is this boring? I think once you realize the beauty of the play, then it kind of takes away the lack of set pieces. Um, I know Julianne, you know, wasn't a big fan of the play at first, but then she eventually came around to it and she was like, oh. Ah, Julianne, why did you not like this play? So when I first read the play, I read my character and I was like, oh, I'm going to be sitting on a bench and stringing beans with my neighbor and just talking about some random things that I didn't really care about. But then once we got further along in the rehearsal process, that was actually my favorite scene to do because it was with one of my best friends and we got to just sit there and talk about our lives because I had realized that the play was about the beauty and the everyday things, and it was it was the best scene. All right, and remember this: you're stringing beans, but you're not actually stringing beans. And first of all, have you ever actually string strung a bean or whatever? You no, I haven't. <laughs> so, okay. I like to pretend like I knew what I was doing, but I really didn't. You did a pretty good job. Thank you. <laughs> but why couldn't you be holding a bean in your hand? Why would that ruin the play? I think the minimalistic set really just, um, what's the word? They just added to the effect of the play and like finding the beauty in the everyday. The two moms would come out and pretend to make breakfast. But I think that if there was a big set, it wouldn't 
really get the point across as well as it did with the minimalistic set. Yeah, I think it's a really good way of keeping the play from being too specific and therefore losing the message of the play. The play is called Our Town, not Grover's Corners, because it's trying to show you a message that's applicable to any town. It's not trying to show you specifically Grover's Corners. It's trying to show you your town. And so we get rid of those sets. So we get rid of those props to not distract the audience and think they're seeing something else. They're supposed to be seeing their lives and their stories in the play. And also, I think as an actor, it makes it more challenging. And so you don't really feel cheated out of using props or sets because it makes you, you can't hide behind anything. Your acting is going to be what tells the story. Excellent. All right. So let's get back to the story. All right. Emily, um, or if you could, or Maddie, uh, who played Emily in the play, uh, Emily, if you could uh, give us the line you gave right as you come, you came back from the the living world to the cemetery about life. Do any human beings ever realize life while they live it every, every minute? All right. I can remember when you said that during the play, the night that I heard it, um, it was, it was, a, you did it very well. And, um, it, and it struck a chord in me. My daughter and I sat up that night talking about that line and, and really the whole play because it's a, it's, disturbing, um, but yet powerful line. Uh, what is so powerful about that line? What, what is she critiquing about the way we see life? It's, it's kind of everything that Wilder wanted to go back to is if, you know, we're, we're living in this frivolous world that isn't really getting to the true questions of life or the true beauty of life. And Emily's question is, do we realize that we're living? You know, we always assume, oh, well, I'm alive. Well, what does that mean? Because we're certainly not living right now. So Emily wanted to get at that question and really just, you know, ask it to the audience. It was directed at the audience. Yeah, I think it's the idea that she asks this question after she's gone back to life, after she's died. She goes back and revisits a scene with her mom in which her mom is making her breakfast on her birthday. And it's really interesting, the idea of moms making their family breakfast. It comes up a lot of times in the play. They actually make their family's breakfast, I think, three different times in the play. And the first time that Emily comes on stage, it's during a very similar scene and she completely misses it. She's staring at the table or she's messing with her little brother and she doesn't even look at her mom the whole scene. And then she comes back and revisits the same place at the end of the play and she's staring at her mom making breakfast as if it's the most beautiful thing she's ever seen and she realized that she missed the beauty of life the first time she missed the beauty of her mom making her breakfast the first time and then looking back she's finally realized life and so she's asking the audience are you missing it can you open your eyes and realize the beauty of life right now before it's gone well put now if you go back into the play give me some scenes or stories in the play where they're kind of building this theme of missing life who are some of the characters that were missing life in the play there were uh times george who is um who would eventually marry emily um where you know he would have to sit down with his father and have the conversation of you're pretty much ignoring your family um because the mother was left to chop wood for the family after preparing breakfast and you know doing everything for the family and george would just play baseball instead of helping out his family. So he wasn't living for his family. But George seems to be having the most fun of any character in the play. I mean, how could he be missing out on life? He seems to be uh, living it very well. Is that what matters, though, playing baseball? <laughs> um, if, especially if you're ignoring your family duties, if you're 
Um, also in the play, you learn that during this time when George is pretty much ignoring everybody, he's being a jerk to a lot of people and nobody is really liking him anymore because he'd just rather play baseball and he really only cares about, you know, eventually taking over his uncle's farm or his grandparents' farm or something. And so, sure, he's having fun, but does that matter at the end of the day? Yeah. And so the question is, is what's he missing out on? You know, what's he not seeing? I mean, because he's all about having fun in the moment. He's not doing what matters, that's well put. And what's he miss? He's missing his community and he's missing building into the relationships of the people around him. A crucial conversation between Emily and George in the play is the conversation that the stage manager shows when Emily and George decide that they're going to get married. And it starts with Emily being really mad at George and calling him out on it and saying, you've been paying attention to baseball. You've been ignoring your family. You never stop to speak to anyone anymore because you're just concerned about baseball. And out of that conversation comes the decision for the two to get married. So this really essential moment in the play starts with Emily calling George out on not realizing life and the people around him. Total contrast, George's father. His mom is trying to get, uh, uh, his wife is trying to get him to go to Paris. So, and yet he won't go. Why not? He realizes the role that he plays in the town and how important it is because he's the doctor and without him there, the people wouldn't be able to, like he delivers twins in Polish town. That's like one of the first things said in the play. He realizes how important that is, but he still doesn't realize life like the play is trying to teach it like living every minute so he sort of gets it but not fully so what does his wife say in defense of him why why does she explain he won't go so in the scene i was talking about with the stringing the beans Uh um the two moms are talking and she says how she wants to go to paris but she says that he said that he would be discontent with grover's corners if he was going to go traipsing around europe so again does he get the whole idea of emily's line at the end Is he living in the moment right here? I mean, he's saying, I don't want to go somewhere that's going to make me discontent. Does he get the point of the play? He is living in the moment in the sense that he's living his life. He's doing his job. He's doing what he's supposed to be doing. But how much is he really enjoying that life? Um, There are multiple times where his wife forces him to go upstairs and sleep. Um, And that's just a general thing that humans should do. But he's ignoring that because of his job. So he's living in the he's living in the moment too much to the point where he's I mean, he's he's just being a doctor. And that's about it. being a doctor and a father. He's not allowing himself to enjoy the other aspects of life. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. And he's not really taking risks in his life. He's content. That was like the key word. Hmm. He's like more content in his life. And he's not like taking risks and really like living. That's very good. Simon, is he ignorant? Um, well, coming from Simon himself, I think uh, he knows what life is and decided to throw it to the curb. Because, I mean, he did kill himself because he didn't see what was worth living for. He saw the future and he saw the past and he saw the present and he didn't like any of it. And he, I think he just kind of threw it away. So Simon was ignorant on what life was. Um, ignorance, I think he he understood the concept, but he couldn't put it into action. Hmm. The um, and then another line from the play. So we have the idea of too ignorant, not wanting to take risk, um, focus too much on fun and not seeing community, and then another line, we don't have time. 
um, this idea that, to look at one another. Because Emily is asking, why won't they look at one another? And then the narrator says, or the stage manager says, they don't have time to look at one another. How does that impact our inability to live well? I think it's less of the idea that they don't have time to, because they do have the time to, they're just not realizing that they have the time to. They need to, the characters need to, and we need to, because it's about us, of course. Yeah. We need to take a step back and realize that you know a lot of what we're doing doesn't matter at the end of the day so we kind of need to enjoy these small moments in life like your mother making breakfast and you know presence on the table those small things mean so much and we're not enjoying those and in the relationship to time what does george keep looking what's keeping him from enjoying the small moments that are going on right now i mean he's he just wants to play baseball that's <laughs> that's it and then when he gets in trouble he just thinks the next thing will come right and he's just constantly looking for when he goes to college or when he goes to speaking of going to college and we come back to this as some of y'all are heading how many of y'all are seniors uh three of y'all are seniors right now heading off to college mm -hmm. um how does this play impact you as you're thinking about well you know next year you won't be seeing your mom wash the dishes or uh, you'll be washing your own dishes and uh, mm -hmm. uh how does this play impact you as a senior yeah, I think the play was really well-timed, at least for me, uh, starting our senior year off with it, because a common mistake made by a lot of seniors in our position is to spend their entire last year at home counting down until graduation, counting right. down until move-in day, um, and spending all of this valuable time looking ahead instead of looking to right where they are. And so for me, um, doing a play like this was really helpful and beneficial in helping me to realize life while I live it during senior year, during the mundane things that I might not want to do every day, looking at it and realizing I don't have that much time left here. And so taking it in and realizing the beauty of community and of the people around me uh, before they're gone. And for me, it's so I've, I've been here for all 13 years, kindergarten through 12th grade. And um, since then, I've, I've definitely built a community here of friends because I've been here for 13 years. And, you know, I've also lived inside of, you know, this bubble of CCS. You know, we, you know, we try to stay away from that. But I do think there is this bubble at CCS that the students live in. And, um, you know, part of the play was um, asking, so, you know, do we need to take risks or, you know, are we too comfortable where we are? Do we need to reach into our community more? And I know for me, it's it you know this this is a phase of life where i'm doing all of those i'm going to be taking a risk i'm going to be stepping outside of the community that i've built for 13 years i'm going to be building a new community and i'm going to be taking risks in that community so that's you know that's this phase of life where i'm at and i know for me we haven't really talked about this play in a couple months since we've done it but bringing it back up this week thinking about what we were going to say for these different questions or whatever for the podcast i've been thinking about oh, we have this many days till graduation and I'm so excited for college, but then it's also like we're leaving the CCS bubble or whatever that I've been in for 13 years as well. And I'm gonna miss all the people that are that are around me. So it's kind of like cherishing every moment that I have with them. And I know that pl this play has taught me that. So. so if you could speak to your seventh grade self, what would you say? Now Enjoy every moment. It's gone so fast. <laughs> and I've been in drama for six years now, too. And I would want to enjoy every moment of that as well, because 
these moments that we have in rehearsal are some of the best mm -hmm. memories that I'm going to have from CCS. Mm -hmm. yes. Moments backstage when we're not supposed to be talking, but we obviously <laughs> are. Um, just those conversations had backstage <laughs> are the best. <laughs> Sorry, Mrs. Kearley. <laughs> well, okay, now go a little bit further. Your 40-year-old self, you've got possibly two kids, a spouse, a job with a mortgage, you've got to pay the bills. Uh, people are counting on you. What is our town? What would, now that you've been a part of our town, what would you like to say to yourself? I think that's part of the beauty of the play was actually how much it affected that audience. Um, I had a lot of older people coming up to me mm -hmm. and telling me how impactful of a play it was. And so I think that's really cool is that it speaks to seniors in high school, but it speaks to parents and grandparents too. And it's the idea that it's this universal truth that we are not here forever, that we have limited time with our communities and with our people around us. So don't miss it and pour into them while you still can. And it's it also goes back to the whole you know question that Mr. Gibbs was dealing with is like, am I enjoying life where I'm at? Well, you know, of course, when I'm 40, I hope to you know have kids and a wife and I hope to be at home and somewhere that I'll stay for the rest of my life. Um, but I need to, you know, at that point I need to ask myself, like, am I really, you know, happy where I am? Am I, am I making time for kids? Am I making time for my wife? And am I really enjoying life how it's supposed to be enjoyed and not just working myself to death? Mm. Well put. Um, uh, it does speak as one of those old people out there listening to the play. It does speak to us. It reminds us of all the moments in life we wished we would enjoy right now. And cause we think we're so important, um, but we need to stop and enjoy our town and enjoy and try to figure out also what the stage manager said was that something is eternal in each of us. What in the world does that mean? What is there inside of us that is eternal? Um, I think that as far as the Christian perspective on this show, that line is probably the most important hmm. because it's the idea that everything is not going to last except for people and that all people have an eternal part of them. And so are you focusing in life on the things that are important, on the things that are, are eternal, or are you focusing on the things that are temporary? Are you like George and you're so concerned with baseball that you're <laughs> missing the people around you? So it's the idea that if everyone that you meet is eternal, are you treating them that way? Are you treating the people around you with the great importance that they have and pouring into the people around you as if they have the importance of being eternal and the idea that the things that aren't eternal, are we focusing too much on that instead? Mm -hmm. That is amazing. Ms. Kearley, how does art do, do this? I mean, how does a play uh, speak to seniors in high school and to 40 year old men and, and what, what's the power of the theater? Well, I think um, Wilder was really on to something when he created this back in 1938 because up until that time, the theater had never seen anything with this minimalistic style that was just there to deliver a message. And as you can tell, these students really understood the message that the play was delivering. And that came through to the entire audience that was here. And it was it was very impactful every single night. And that very last scene when George comes out and he is sobbing at Emily's feet, 
yes, it was it was emotional because he was crying, but also it, it was very tragic because he was at that moment realizing everything that he had been missing. And for all of us, no matter what age, whether their age or our age, I think that was just a very stark reminder of what we need to be focused on. Well, thank you for reminding us all and doing it so well. We appreciate that. What's next in the theater? We have our middle school production of Hubner the Reluctant (laughs) coming up. Uh, in just about a week and a half. So next week, February 27th and 28th, that will be here in the auditorium at 7 o'clock. And this group of actors, our high school drama students, are going to be producing You Can't Take It With You, which is Kaufman and Hart's just madcap comedy. But it also has such a great message. It's a comedy and it's all about joy, but it also has the message of living very intentionally. So mm. we're, we're super excited to have these two shows that we're working with this year. Well, thank you. And thank you all for uh, coming and helping uh, to tell the story of Carrie Christian School and, and our goals as educators here. And I hope that everybody can take away one of the things we hope to accomplish here is not just to tell young people what is right and wrong. We hope to develop their imaginations. And we hope to develop their moral imagination so that deep inside of them, there is a story that is resonating and drawing them closer to Christ and closer to the person he wants each of them to be. And I pray that uh, back in their minds, they'll never forget the story of our town and, and how the production of that shaped them as human beings and as Christ followers. Thank you.